0: Alright guys, welcome back to another episode of Engage as we react to Star Trek Picard Episode 4, Absolute Candor, or Candor, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, once again, I'm the captain, I'm Captain Chase McKinney, and I have my, my trusty number one, I have Commander Eric with me. How are you doing today, Eric? What's going on? I'm doing just fine, just fine, just fine. Doing just fine. Thumbs up. Oh, peachy keen. A-okay, huh? Peachy. Just peachy. That's a phrase I don't feel like we say anymore. I, what does that even mean? Just peachy? I don't, I don't know. It's just kind of like explaining cool, right? Like what does cool mean? Yeah, but, but why, why peachy? Yeah, like why not cherry or banana? I don't know.
1: Like, like, I don't know.
0: But you're right, we don't
1: say just peachy enough anymore.
0: Or snazzy. I try and incorporate snazzy. You try to incorporate snazzy? Every opportunity I get, I try and say snazzy. I also like to incorporate uh, asinine as well. That's a fun word, too.
1: That is a fun word, yeah. Sometimes when you use big words, though, people, like, they look at you funny, and they're like, did you really have to use that big of a word? Are you just trying to make yourself feel smart?
0: I mean people already look at me weird, so why not?
1: Alright. Me too. People look at me weird too.
0: I mean when, when they you notice like Star me, Trek.
1: When they notice me at all, that is.
0: I notice you, Eric. I, I see you.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: You're most welcome. Alright, so um we have we have some stuff to talk about today and uh as you guys know, uh, the most recent episode dropped on uh, Thursday, uh, the day before Valentine's Day, and uh, anyway, it's, uh, we're, we're approaching the midpoint, we're close to the midpoint, and uh, this episode, like I said in the beginning, is called Absolute Candor, or Absolute Candor, however you want to pronounce it. If you're Romulan, you know, it's a potato-potato kind of thing. Pretty much.
1: It's potato. No one says potato. Well... Have you you ever met anyone that says potato?
0: Once. Once? It was only once. Only once. Only once. (laughs) Just one time. But it's just like, and and I know that we have international listeners, but we have, here in America, we say aluminum, but I think like in, is it Australia, New Zealand, we also hear Aluminium. Aluminium, I like, yeah. I feel like you're adding, like, extra syllables and letters to that.
1: I feel like you are, too. I had, I, my first year of college, uh, a guy who lived, uh, down the hall from me was from South Africa, and he said, Aluminium. I was like, you're just, that's just too much work.
0: <laughs> just aluminum foil. Or aluminum. <laughs> yeah. Is it trans, wait, hold on, uh, since we're talking Star Trek, is it transparent aluminum, or is it transparent Aluminium? See, it's I want to know that now.
1: Transparent aluminum? Uh,
0: I mean, it's Scotty, I mean, it's Montgomery Scott, he's from, what, Edinburgh? So, I guess the people yeah, from Edinburgh he, would say he does transparent not say, aluminum.
1: He does not say aluminum, he says aluminum.
0: I know. Okay, we're getting lost in the sauce, dude. We,
1: we're very much off track already. <laughs>
0: and we're only like 2 or 3 minutes in. This is fantastic, guys. It's going to be a right, great episode. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's going to be a great rambling hour and a half here. You could watch you know, the episode twice an in the time in the re- in the you could watch the episode twice in the amount of time you could listen to the recap.
0: <laughs> we just have things to say apparently.
1: There are there are lots oh. of things to say about this episode. Some good, Quite a bit not so good.
0: Well I guess that's something we're gonna to have to get into so let's go ahead and engage. So um, we're once again Eric when we're we're starting off in this episode and we have what is it another flashback?
1: Yeah, I think that's going to be the the like the MO for these for this series is that every episode's going to start with a flashback because there's so much information that we need to know.
0: I'm just I'm growing weary of flashbacks, I'm not going to lie. Yeah? And I I'm growing weary of them and I I don't know if other listeners are too, but I just I want it to stop. <laughs> well, I, I just I, I do.
1: I think we're gonna get at least one more next week. I definitely think next week's episode is going to start with a flashback.
0: Probably. And I we mean, can probably
1: there's... get it we can probably get into what that is, right, at the end of this discussion because it relates to the end of this episode.
0: And that's and that seems like the thing, like the formula. Like I, I get there needs to be a format. Like even with our shows that we do on this podcast, believe it or not, there is a certain format that we're we're kind of working out of so there does need to be structure but at the same time and I I think I've touched on this before with like you know the Picard reaction stuff like we're doing and just like talking about the other shows too like I want to have some mystery like I don't need everything you know loaded up for me I'd rather like it kind of be teased out and just consistently getting flashbacks I don't know like it I'm just I'm just getting, I'm growing weary of them.
1: Well, I agree with you, but I think that you and I are probably in the minority in that. We're in a day and age where people love to be spoon-fed information, and if everything is not laid out, one, two, three, four, A, B, C, D, right in a row for you to see, I think people are going to get upset. I just think that's the era that we're in these days.
0: Sure, sure. Sure. And, and I, would, like, I
1: would blame J.J. Abrams for a lot of this mentality. Not that J.J. J. Abrams has anything to do with this show in particular, right? But he has, you know, he has something to do with the Star Trek world. And I would blame J.J. Abrams for, like, audiences wanting answers and everything laid out to them in a row because he certainly didn't give that to us in a lot of the which, things that he's made.
0: Which, like, just to do, like, a little, like... Side thing, real quick, you know, like I don't know if you watched Lost at I, all. Or, I
1: have seen Lost. That's what I was referring to.
0: And I don't know if it was. Do, do you feel like like Lost was like really spoon feeding, backloading information and stuff? No, or?
1: no. See, my my point was that Lost didn't give you the answers, and it didn't exactly. It didn't lay out everything right in a row. And I think yeah. that's why people. Like, they liked Lost at first because it created this mystery box, but then when they didn't get all the answers, people got very, very upset, and that's what's caused the shift in everything needing to be laid out perfectly and to be spoon-fed all of the information.
0: Yeah, and I think that might be part of the reason, like, maybe... perhaps why the people of our generation, like the the older millennials... uh may like that type of storytelling compared to the folks coming behind us. Like, I don't even know what the next generation's name is called besides you know, Patrick's...
1: They're called Gen Zers, right?
0: Are they called... Are they the Zers?
1: Yeah, because it's like the Gen Xers and then the Millennials is like the Gen Y, and then who's after us is the Gen Zs, right?
0: Well, we just learned something new today. Fantastic.
1: I think that's right.
0: I'll go with it. Why not? So, anyway, like, I, I'm not going to lie, I did enjoy seeing Picard in uniform last week in the flashback, and, and even Rafi in, in uniform. That was cool. But, in this in this flashback, let's just talk about the flashback. So, in this particular flashback, we see Picard uh, going to uh, this planet called Vashti. Is it called planet Vashti, or is it just Vashti? I think it's just Vashti. Because I've heard both of them. I
1: think it's just Vashti
0: because the the little uh, text that appears on the screen the caption says planet Vashti and then I think even Rios at one point says planet Vashti but then he also says Vashti so I, I'm just I guess it's a semantics thing at this point yeah
1: I guess you could say we're going to planet Bejor, right
0: yeah but who says that you know just like who says like someone's nickname like every other Hey, okay, so listen
1: stop. listen. Jean-Luc is two syllables. JL is two syllables. Are you really saving yourself any time? (laughs) I mean, like, are you really shortening it?
0: Well, in, in in this particular flashback, we're seeing him go back again 14 years ago. And this time, this is taking place right around the time. Actually, it is taking place at the time of the... The attack on uh, Mars, the Utopia Planitia shipyards that we had seen in a prior flashback with the synths, and he's got like some hardcore like Marcus Brody vibes going on from Indiana Jones, uh, with that white suit and the the hat that he's wearing.
1: <laughs> I didn't even think about that, but I can see it. I can definitely see it.
0: And me being a big Indian, a huge Indiana Jones fan. Well, who isn't? Uh, who isn't? Right. <laughs> If, if you're not you're just wrong about you're,
1: you that. are you're wrong right Indiana Jones you're is just amazing. wrong Indiana Jones is amazing
0: true true story true story and we're, we're, we're meeting these warrior nuns and we're meeting this little boy that is basically living with them and being raised as a warrior nun more or less
1: <laughs> yeah I'm like this scene I'm watching this scene and I'm totally getting Star Trek Insurrection vibes from it. Like, Star Trek Insurrection opens up in this peaceful, quaint village. There's this little boy, little kids running around. And everything looks so idyllic. It's like the perfect cliche of an idyllic community. Right? Did you get those vibes at all? I did. Yeah. And... and, and, and...
0: <laughs> Go ahead.
1: It's like... <laughs> Jonathan, Jonathan Frakes directed both of those he directed this episode, he directed Insurrection and it's like, this is Jonathan Frakes cliched picture of an idyllic society where everyone is thriving and I was like I guess
0: yeah I'm sure we'll get into this in just a little bit, but just the way that it looked it had some, some major Rivendell vibes from Lord of the Rings as well
1: this whole episode is like got some major lord of the rings vibes for me
0: okay well we'll definitely definitely get back into that
1: <laughs> yeah yes, yes we will yes we will <laughs> so
0: what what am i forgetting like what am i so, forgetting with this so, flashback
1: so the kuat Melosh, their way of absolute candor like let's just let's just talk about this briefly here so like romulan warrior ninja nuns like yes what what romulan warrior ninja nuns like who came up with this idea i hate this idea
0: do you like this idea what, you don't want like to have sister act with katanas?
1: No, no, this is like they are like
0: to me they're a cross between
1: the Bene Gesserit from Dune and the Night Sisters from Star Wars, the Clone Wars.
0: Okay, I don't know about the Clone Wars and the Knight Sisters.
1: Okay, so you know who the Bene Gesserit are, right? From Dune?
0: No, I've yet to see Dune or read the book.
1: Oh, oh my god. Okay, so Dune is the greatest science fiction thing ever created, right? Dune is, th- it's the best science fiction thing ever. If you love science fiction and you haven't read Dune, then you're missing out. Because it's the I'm just wrong, aren't I? It's the greatest science fiction thing ever, right? And if you don't okay. think so, you're wrong. Okay? But okay. in Dune, there's a there's a group of, of women called the Bene Gesserit, and they're often referred to as the Witches. Right? And they, they're like a religious sect, they have extreme political power, right? their reverend mother is like uh, an advisor to the Emperor in this universe, and uh, they're feared by a bunch of people, and they follow what's called the weirding way. And they're, they're pro- they play a prominent role, they have this breeding program, where they're trying to create the Kwisatz Haderach, which is like the Chosen One. And anyway, they're the Bene Gesserits, right? And they're, they're like a religious order. So that's how, like, here the Kuat Molash are like these nuns and they have this religious order. And then the Sisters show up in Star Wars, the animated series, The Clone Wars. And they're force wielders, but they don't follow, like, the Jedi path. And they don't follow the Sith path. They're just kind of creating their own path. But it's all women, and men can't be a part of it.
0: Okay. Okay, I can see the connection that you're you're coming up with and drawing.
1: Yeah, and it's like, I just think this idea is... I don't like it. That's just me, right? And if you do... Good for you, but I don't like it.
0: Okay. So, let me. Let me. Let's take that, you know, one step further. What about this don't you like?
1: Like. Like. What about it is to like? Romulan warrior ninja nuns? Like. Do we need ninjas in space? Do we need space ninjas? Is that a thing? Do we need that?
0: I mean, apparently. Apparently.
1: Here, <laughs> like, here, and, here. and what are we going to do? We're going to fight people with swords? Like, since when do Romulans fight people with swords? That just doesn't seem very Romulan to me.
0: Well, here's, here's something that uh, I remember hearing and... <sighs> do... We're still in the flashback, so like, this is all taking place 14 years ago. Like I said, at the time of the the Mars attack, and you know, let's let's just—I'll I'll get back to it later. I'll just get back to it later. Uh, so let's let's just keep on going. I don't want to get completely bogged down just in the flashback. Okay. So moving moving right along, we come up and they're in and we're back at uh, the point in which the Lost Serena is about to go to warp, and then we go to an interior shot and we see uh Agnes. We see Doctor Girardi and Captain Rios.
1: Yes. And Doctor Girardi has absolutely nothing to do again. Like, what like for me, I really kind of like this character initially, but like, I'm beginning to dislike her more and more every episode because she's just like a middly annoying court jester type character who it seems like her only purpose is to provide exposition and explain things to us, the audience. She I don't feel like she has anything sure. to do here. And she literally even says,
0: I have so nothing to do. Here's... Yeah. Here, here's some of the issues that I. She even says, that I have, I have, with have nothing Dr. to do. The issue that I have with her presently is. Look, we're looking at her story so far. We're only four episodes in. So we're seeing her only four episodes worth of of stuff. Really, three and a half. Because, like, she didn't come in until, like, the last, what, 10, 15 minutes of the first episode, thereabouts. Yeah. And. As we, we, we learn in the first episode, that she was rec- recruited out of Starfleet Academy. Okay? So I have no idea how long she was in Starfleet Academy. But regardless of that, it doesn't matter if you're going to be a cadet that's going to focus on, you know, medical or uh, command, and, or I'm sorry, medicals and science command operations pretty much everyone has the same starfleet experience and then you go you might go off to starfleet medical i think and specialize that way but still like everyone that goes to the academy learns to be a starfleet officer and they all have the the uh, the capability of switching divisions, right? Like they might go from operations to command. We've seen that, or going from a command division to an operations division. We've we've seen both both those cases on screen in the past. And here's here's the 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 thing that I kind of ha- I take issue with with this particular character is. The fact that she was in Starfleet Academy for an undisclosed amount of time, she's recruited out of it, she focuses on like cybernetics and robotics and blah, 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 all that stuff that was told in the first episode, but then we see anything but that in the following episodes, where she's terrified of fighting, d- doesn't know how to shoot a gun, and if she does shoot the gun, I'm sorry, the phaser, she she's like freaked out about it. And just like all of, her, all of her dialogue does not confirm to me that she was in Starfleet, it's, it's, it's completely contrary. I don't know if you had a similar feeling or experience, or if you even took notice of that, but that's just kind of where I am with this character at this point.
1: No, I can totally see that, but the other thing that we don't know is we don't know how long she was at Starfleet Academy, and we don't know how long ago that was. So she could have only been there for a year, and that could have been, you know, 15 years ago. We don't know. Right. I mean, yeah. probably not 15 years ago, because I don't think the character is old enough. But we don't know how long ago that was. We don't know how long she was there. So, I mean, it's possible that you could lose all of that training and all that discipline that could potentially be installed in you at the academy.
0: Well, that's true, and I... I, I, I I completely recognize that this is a work of fiction. Believe it or not, I do know this is fiction. But at the same time, (laughs) at the same time, I was in, okay, I was in ROTC for a year while we were in college. And, you know, also growing up in Boy Scouts, you know, I think that also did contribute to, to what I'm about to say as well. But, like, even the one year being in ROTC like I still can remember how to salute properly or how to stand at attention properly like if I'm like you know doing the Air Force style of it basically so and and the 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 discipline that the Air Force was instilling in me even only being there for a short time before saying oh sorry you're medically de-acquit you are medically de would you can not serve in, in the US military so I'm not, I'm not buying it that she wouldn't still have, and and that's not to say that she doesn't, but I'm just, it's concerning to me uh, with this characterization, so I'm not trying to nitpick the heck out of it, but I guess I am in a way, Uh, uh, just based on my own experience.
1: Nitpicking just a little, but I'm totally there with you. It is fiction, but there should be some bits of realism thrown throughout here. Sure. I'm right so, there with you. I totally understand what you're saying.
0: So we're 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 reading a we're we're here we're having this conversation with with Jurati and Rios there um, on the bridge, and he's once again reading his book, and he and that's a real book, by the way. It's not just a made-up book. What,
1: what is what is this book about? What does he say? He says it's about the the collective
0: consciousness of dealing with guilt. What's the quote? It's the um. Gosh, I don't remember the quote, but it's it's the um, the existential crisis, the existential crisis of the consciousness of of guilt of, de- of guilt and death, basically. Yeah,
1: yeah, like, wow, what heavy stuff? Who doesn't want to talk about that?
0: Basically, it's a real book. <laughs> is it? It's, it's a totally real a real book. Okay. It is a real book. I looked it up. Yeah, it's a real book, and um, I think it was published in the eighteen hundreds. I who, think. Who
1: wrote it? Like. Or don't, like, did you look up the author of what nationality they were? Is it some uh, kind of, like, Russian or German? N- it sounds no. like it would be from one of those places where they have, like, a grim view
0: of life. No, I think um, there were some, There were Latinx. So um, the guy's name was, gosh, I want to say it was, like, Guillermo oh. something. And I think it was, um, oh, please, no one hate tweet me. I think it was Argentinian. Or something like that.
1: Oh well, that would make sense because isn't some kind uh, isn't Santiago Cabrera the actor who plays Rios from Argentina? Uh,
0: maybe. maybe. I know it's. I, I'm pretty sure it's. It's some. It's either South American or Spaniard. It's. It's one of the two. Um. For and I wish I knew right off the top of my head. I feel like a horrible captain right now.
1: No, it's okay. I put you on the spot with that.
0: But it is. But if you guys did want to go. Look it up. You can. Um, I actually tried looking it up, um, and I found it on Google Scholar. So you should be able to get it. There's going to be some stuff that I think is blurred out due to um, like the publishing process that's happened over time, to where I think there's like certain words that are missing now. Not not due to like censorship, just due to like the manner in which it's been copied. So just something to keep in mind. If you did want to get after it, you could. For the most part. So, anyways, I feel like I'm a train wreck right now, okay. Commander. So, uh, where are we going next?
1: Oh, well, um, we go to the holodeck, right? Where we have this um more exposition and more um here's some information that you need to know to be able to understand what's happening in this episode. So, so tell me. Why does Picard need to recreate Chateau Picard in the holodeck? Why can't he just have quarters?
0: I'm not too sure about that. And this is something, too, that I was like, did you guys pay attention to what happened in the last episode when he was talking about living on Earth? Uh... uh, you know, just before he he goes, you know, just before the attack happens at his house he's having this this very heartwarming conversation with Laris and and saying, you know, I, uh, I feel like I never belonged here basically.
1: That's exactly what he says. That's why I thought it was weird that he has to recreate his study at Chateau Picard to such precise detail.
0: And, yeah, I'm like wait, he doesn't feel at home in his home. So why are we creating his home on a ship?
1: Yeah. It's weird. So yeah. So then we get eventually all of our characters end up in the holodeck, right? They end up here and we're explaining that Vashti is not this place that the card once knew it as.
0: Yeah, it's it's no longer just a, a a friggin' Rivendell. It's now a very, you know, it's a bad ba- it's a, a bad
1: place with bad people and pirates. Yar, pirate jar. A space pirate who, you know, rules his territory with a hundred and thirty-year-old spaceship.
0: Yar. Don't be talking about me, bird of prey. <laughs> <laughs> you you can't right now, can you?
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, well, that was wow. Um, that was fantastic. Don't deny was, it. That was pretty, pretty, pretty. Yeah. That was pretty pretty. That was. I don't know what the word is. Um,
0: I would have also accepted fantastic, phenomenal, amazing. That's yeah. pretty pretty. Got it. No, moving on.
1: No. Moving on. Moving on. So we get this exposition. More exposition, right? So much stuff. So much information we have to get out to us. And...
0: With... with are we still talking about... Yeah, Um. it wasn't... I mean, it was all right, but it was just all right. Uh, I did like, I mean, seeing the exterior shot again, and the effect was pretty cool with making a bird, you know, freeze. That was pretty cool. Okay. I liked it, Yeah, I, guess. I mean, okay. But the thing, here's the thing that I don't know how to feel. I don't dislike it, and I don't like it. It's just kind of middle of the road for me with this whole Picard's pissed everyone off basically. And I, I guess like what I'm about to speak to is mainly just between him and Rafi because well, and no, no, it it, it more or less happens with pretty much everyone he speaks with. That is this whole like I'm so mad at you. You know, you're out of your mind type of stuff and and then like they go and talk and it's like what do we used to say one impossible thing at a time you know and they just go back and forth with like so much uh what's it called just not frustration but just going from like hot headed to being tender hearted and I'm like okay you know what I'm talking about? No, I get what you're, up I get down?
1: I get what you're talking about and I think I think I don't know what I think. I you you pay me to be here for to give you my thoughts, but I don't know what I think. Man. Man, uh Man, oh man. Man, oh man. Like I like I wish I had more to say in general about This scene in this episode, but I—I mean, for me, I just—I didn't give this scene that much thought. Sorry.
0: It's okay. I'm just, you know, just looking at this theme. Like, I think we could both agree, to a certain extent, that this is like the thing that's happening with Picard and these characters. Like, we look uh, at—I mean, like, really every character that he interacts with. I would even go as far to say even Admiral Clancy it's you know like talking about like the hubris of like whatever he was asking like they get all heated but then they kind of have a tender hearted moment to a certain extent depending on how you want to interpret that but like I just don't see conversations happening that way like where you get that fired up and then like you're like and then you can calm down that quickly yeah like I just don't see that man
1: I think you're probably right about that um it, it. What the one thing that I will note here is that, Picard, ev- almost every interaction he has with somebody so far in this in this series, he he asks them for something, or he wants something from them, and he seems shocked that they turn him down. Every single person, right? Admiral Clancy, Rafi, Elrond here, right? Everybody. <laughs> he seems like super shocked. That, like, they would say no to him. And he's like, he just doesn't get it. Like, and he's like, what do you mean you're saying no to me? How could you ever say no to me? And and at a certain point, he can't have this, like, this righteous attitude anymore, can he?
0: I mean, he can if he's written that way.
1: But it, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> After what, like how many times does he have to be told no to before he realizes that people later are going to tell him no it's like he just doesn't seem to get it yeah and yeah. I don't know if you feel that same way at all
0: no I I certainly see it I see it happening with you know like all these these no moments but you know kind of like you're talking about like no I'm just wondering like why people aren't just saying yes you know, like
1: Well they don't have any reason to say yes, do they? Well
0: The Clancy thing, no. There's no reason to really say say yes to that. But like maybe maybe Rafi, for example, okay? Like, why did we have to go through all the butthole drama of that to you know, her sitting on a box in the desert to say I have you, a captain.
1: Well, well, for me, it
0: makes more sense for
1: Rafi to say no than it does for her to say yes. I just I believe. Wh- I just believe that character was at a, a a mental place where saying no for her was the right thing to do, and saying yes is absolutely the wrong thing to do.
0: Sure. And. I know we're kind of like stuck on like this thing here in in like the like his his ready room or this hollow ready room or whatever, but the thing that is kind of nice is that the characters kind of seem like they're they're starting to warm up to each other in a way to where it's not as cold as it has been. Like even Rafi, it seems like she's kind of warming up more too like being willing to talk to Picard more directly saying hey JL there's someone that we need to help basically which we'll get to later on but anyway this scene was just kind of innocuous for the most part so there's there's more to talk about especially as we get into you know being on planet Vashti which there's this uh, seven minute window um, Yeah, I'm but, sorry but, there's go ahead
1: Even before we get down to Vashti on it, we show up here and they explain this planetary defense. And Picard's like, hey, do we have a way in? And he's like, no, we don't have a way in. And Picard's like, well, call Central Station and tell them it's me. They'll open up. And he said, we told them that and they told us no. And again, he seems shocked that somebody told him no. Like, yeah. why, like, why does he keep expecting people to say yes to him all this time? Especially I mean, been, this, this planet with Romulans that he basically abandoned.
0: And it's been 14 years for him, so he thinks things are still like they were 14 years ago. And they're not.
1: They're absolutely all. not. At all. Okay, so we do eventually, we get down to the planet because of a bribe, right? A cash gift is always a good idea.
0: Did you notice that? You you noticed that, right? Like, oh, that, cash. Okay, they bribed
1: them. Yeah, cash, right? Because, of course, yeah. you know, a Starfleet Admiral, a former Starfleet Intelligence Officer, and a former First Officer on a Starfleet uh, Heavy Cruiser all have money. Mm-hmm. Right, just go
0: Just go to the, the replicator and there you go.
1: Yeah, we'll just replicate some gold-pressed latinum.
0: Shazam, just like that.
1: Alright, <laughs> <laughs> right, so we go down to this planet. We go down to this planet, and it is not the idyllic, cliched scene from the beginning. But mm-hmm. it looks like a hard place that you don't want to live in.
0: Mm-hmm parts of it reminded me of like just let me just talk about the scenery for a second whenever he beams beams down it took me back to being at like one of the Disney parks like Animal Kingdom and stuff like that even to a certain extent Hollywood Studios like just with how how it looked and uh, I know that they didn't shoot at Disney or anything like that but but still like it it gave me that vibe and especially like in parts of the park at Disney where it's Uh, like, all Indiana Jones-type stuff. And, um... Anyways, have you ever been to Animal Kingdom, by chance, at Disney?
1: I have never been to Disney, ever. Bro. Bro, I know. I, like...
0: You um, need to get some mouse ears and a Mickey bar and go ride teacups or something.
1: Like, it's a long way away, and it's expensive.
0: If you know the right people, it's not.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I don't know anybody, so obviously I don't know the right people.
0: You can just bribe them with cash. A cash gift is always welcome.
1: I think giving them a cash gift will get you a ticket.
0: <laughs> oh man. So, we're we're on this planet. He's he's roaming around. He's saying hello in Romulan. Uh, well, the but, Romulan but right- hello.
1: Jolan True does not mean hello. That was not my interpretation of Jolan true.
0: Okay, what was your interpretation?
1: It was like, you know, have a peaceful journey or, you know, peaceful peaceful way. Something like that. My interpretation of Jolan True was not hello.
0: Okay. Did you like look this up? I in, did like, our- I
1: did look this up on on uh, the on several online places like Star Trek Wiki, fandom, things like that, and all of them did not say that Jolan True meant hello.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: But it could be just be you know an alien language that they're making shit up. Sorry.
0: <laughs> it's possible. It's possible, and with with that, I'm wondering about. Um, I don't know like the language part's kind of interesting. Like you know, I don't I can't, you know, speak to like Spanish or or German or any other language, but like French for example, like you have bonjour uh which is it literally means good day. Like word for word translation. It's it's good day. But then you know, if you're if you're more um more familiar, like, less formal, kind of like you and I, like, instead of saying bonjour, I might say, ça va? Like, how's it going?
1: Okay, well, well, doesn't, like, au revoir, which a lot of people think means goodbye, doesn't it mean, like, literally, like, until I see you again?
0: Yes. Yeah. Au revoir, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, goodbye, or until, until again, yes. Okay. So, it, it could be might be something like that I don't know I mean context is always the thing when it comes to languages you know like I've used this example before whenever I've um, I try and explain like this French concept to someone so like if I were to say um, in English I'm reading a book or I'm reading my book or I'm reading my Bible or something um, that's what we call like a present progressive but in french there's not really such thing as a present progressive and so like you would have to like you'd have to say something like je suis en train de lire mon, mon bible if you're saying i'm reading i'm reading my bible for example um so what that literally translates to is i am currently in the process of reading my bible instead of i'm reading my bible because it's the en train de, that connects this idea of in the process of, or I'm currently doing it. It creates that present progressive that we take for granted as English speakers. Does that make sense?
1: No, sure it makes sense, and we're totally in the weeds here. We are. On a totally innocuous, right? (laughs) Saying, right? You know, show on true. (laughs) I brought it up. I brought it up. So blame me.
0: You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm glad you did. It was fun. It was fun. And Enough so French.
1: So we're getting these vibes here. They're like these signs. Romulan only. Right? So like not mm-hmm. a very good place, like real down south sixties vibe with whites only, blacks only. Right? Not the mm-hmm. not the Progressive Utopia that the Federation I know this isn't a Federation planet, but it's not the progressive utopia that Star Trek has tried to portray in the past.
0: Right, and here's the thing that about this sign, okay? I don't, again, I watched it three times. So, apart from Picard, I didn't notice any non-Romulans there.
1: Well, this might have just been a Romulan part of town. Right, or a part of this, this world. Because I got the interp- the opinion that this planet, Vashti, was a human planet that was like, if you're taking a flight and you have a layover, right? You take a flight like from Romulus, then you have your layover in Vashti before you catch your final flight to the planet that you were eventually going to end up on. And that okay. you just a bunch of Romulans got stranded here when the Federation pulled out, and so it makes sense that they have built their own little piece of this planet, or their own little corner of it, and that other people, other races, don't feel welcome.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking stuff up, and yeah, I got nothing. I'm not seeing much in the way of it, but, I mean, but yeah, you're you're correct that this was certainly a critique on, like, the civil rights era, um, at least here in the United States, and um, even to a certain extent, like, with kind of what the political landscape is kind of... or, or not the political landscape, but, like, just the, the conversations that are going back and forth between both sides of the aisle of, like, you know you know, like let's focus on our own or you're not welcome kind of thing. And I'm not taking political sides at all on, in this conversation. I'm just kind of trying to describe like kind of what we're dealing with right now. And do you, do you see that? Do you see that contemporary thing kind of spilling over right now, apart from the civil civil rights stuff?
1: I, I definitely see that. And I think this, this type of situation is probably what Patrick Stewart was referring to in that interview that he gave just before the show the show premiered, about how this is a response to the current world that we live in.
0: Yeah, I'd agree. So, uh, not not taking sides on on this or anything like that. That's not what this podcast is about, or even this this episode review is about. This is like all Star Trek. Um, it's this material is for you to decide what you want to do with, um, and how you want to interpret it, and how that informs your own worldview and decision-making process. So, I think that's what Star Trek's supposed to do. It's not supposed to be preachy, and it kind of comes off as a little preachy to a certain extent. And I'm just going to leave it there. Any, yeah. Anything that you want to add to that?
1: Well, well, I think you're totally right that that good science fiction and Star Trek does this well throughout its whole history is to present a view of contemporary society through this prism of the future right? And, and if it's good science fiction it allows you to come to your own conclusion it doesn't bash you over the head with the opinions of the writers and the producers and I don't think that this is like trying to bash us over the head with it right here and so I'm really glad of that
0: yeah it kind of it I think it kind of starts to approach it, like a it's, lot of the conversations. It, start,
1: it starts to, but it's not. It's not as um, much as it could have been. It could sure. have been much more very easily.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. So, uh, from here, um, let's let's just do this, Eric. Um, uh, we feel like we get to this part or similar times when we're doing these reaction episodes where. We, we have like some scenes cutting back and forth um, for instead of doing that let's just do what we've been doing and just focus on like one collective um, you know story A and then one collective story B type of thing in, in terms of how we're talking about it today
1: uh, yes um, let's wait as long as possible to talk about all <laughs> of the stuff happening on the <laughs> artifact because I really don't want to talk about that like at all <laughs> Like, at all. So, let's just stay here in Rivendell. Alright. Or on Vashti, excuse me, sorry.
0: <laughs> okay,
1: so Picard goes to the home of the Quatmalash, and uh, in walks in Elnor. Right? Grown Elnor.
0: Heretofore here referred to as... Who, who, Eric?
1: Well, I called him Elrond earlier, and like, I mean, listen... Elrond, Elnor, they're almost anagrams of each other. And this character, we've called we've referred to him as Space Legolas in the past, but like yes. Like he looks like he could be a young Elrond, right? You I could I could imagine like this character being cast as like to play the character of Elrond younger and then Hugo Weaving being the Elrond character older, because they look so similar.
0: And you you can't tell
1: me that this character is not patterned after Elrond. You can't tell me that
0: he's not. He very well might be, and I don't know if you're aware of this, Eric, you might be, but Amazon Prime is working on their own Lord of the Rings show right now that's supposed to come out either in 21 or 22, and they're filming in New Zealand right now, and there is someone that has been cast, I'm pretty sure, as a young Elrond, but they're kind of keeping it tight-lipped right now. So maybe we need to start tweeting Loderon Prime and be like, hey, you know the guy that you do have? We already found him. He's in Star Trek. Yeah. Just, just go, go for it.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you just go like look at side-by-side pictures of these two, it's the same person, just, you know, a thousand years apart, right? Because isn't Elrond, like... 6,000
0: years old. He's old, dude. He's been on Social Security for a long time.
1: Yeah. I mean, man, this is like... It's like shocking how similar these are. And I don't know why we referred to him as Space Legolas in the past and not Space Elrond.
0: Well, I think it's because of the long hair. He's got a... a Elrond
1: doesn't have long hair?
0: Well, I mean, he has long hair, but And it's
1: black, not like blonde, like (laughs) Legolas. Is it because of, uh, of the sword? Is
0: it because of the sword? It's a, I think it's the sword.
1: It's the sword? So explain to me, explain to me, why a sword, okay? There's even a scene in this episode where some Romulan says, a sword isn't going to do you any good against my disruptor. Like, why are we fighting with swords in almost the 25th century?
0: Because Romulans...
1: But have you ever seen a Romulan use a sword in the past? The Klingons are the no, one who like their no, blade. The Klingons are the ones who like their
0: blades. Oh yeah, they they've they're nuts about them, hardcore. Uh, I don't know. And, and you're 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 touching on something that I was going to talk about earlier, and it's it's around this time that we're we're hearing that the Talshiar are petrified of of these folks these warrior nuns well they're and, like they're mortal they're mortal enemies yeah and i'm just like okay i kind of want to learn more but what's up with that like what's the rationale for this particular sect of Romulans being this formidable to air quotes this formidable that the Tao Shiar themselves are terrified or, or fearful of them like the Tao Shiar I mean that's like well, yeah. CIA like hyper trained killers assassins and stuff themselves so like I, I, I'm not asking for an info dump but if there's some kind of story or something to that I'm hoping it's revealed I doubt that it will be but it just doesn't make sense
1: no, it doesn't make sense to me either. Like the Tal Shiar are an official, like, part of the Romulan Empire, and they have, like, the the I forget what the name of the guy who's in charge of it. We were we were told that once upon a time, um, but he's on like, the the continuing committee of the Romulan Star Empire. So like the little small. Circle of people that run the Romulan Star Empire has an official Tal Shiar representative on it, so they're like a huge organization. And I got the I got the feeling that this Quat Malash was like a little rogue sect that wasn't that big. So how would they be a huge enemy of the Tal Shiar, right? I get I'm right there with yeah. you that it doesn't necessarily make sense. But but yeah. I guess the reason was that. Romulans are very secretive and uh, manipulative and uh, cagey, but these people reject that whole notion, and they're just absolute candor, right? Say exactly what you're thinking with no filter, which is very unromulan like
0: Okay, I want to get in the weeds with something just for a second, and this... I don't even know if this is going to connect, but absolute candor, okay? So, being completely honest about your thoughts and your feelings. That's Facebook, basically, currently. Um, but, here's the thing that I, I'm having a hard time understanding, and maybe you'll understand this and you can just drop some knowledge on me. Two things. One, we don't know if the little button insignia thing on Picard's jacket like the lost Serena one, if that has a universal translator built into it, for one. Two, if there is no universal translator built into the button, the badge thing, is there a rationale for the Romulans to use an English term, an English-speaking term, to describe their culture/slash way of life? Because saying. That we, we we adopted a strict code of absolute candor, and Gerardi not knowing what absolute candor is, saying it's it sounds potentially annoying. I mean, when I, when I think of candor, I think of the the stuff from Divergent, the, Diver, the Divergent series, and I mean obviously there's the real word of candor too. So. It just that I was kind of lost on that.
1: Right, their their the the name for their way of thought should be some kind of Romulan phrase or Romulan expression, right? They yeah, wouldn't Even if, come, if they wouldn't come up with an English phrase,
0: right? Even if they would have said blah blah blah, I would have accepted which, that.
1: Which translates to the way of absolute candor. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that would make sense.
0: So, yeah, I could accept it because it's Star Trek and I in like the, the the mechanics and the the world of Star Trek you know you have the universal translator so you're going to hear your hear the person in your, in your native tongue so i could accept that but i don't know. am i am i just But what we t-
1: we see Picard here switch back between speaking English and speaking Romulan mhm right so i don't maybe he has uh, maybe he doesn't have a universal translator
0: Anyway, okay. I that was sorry, that was just out there, but it, it's it's these thoughts like these random, like you know, thoughts about this world that I'm kind of keeping at the back of my head. So, all right, save me. Save okay, me.
1: so what happens now? What happens? Um, he tells his story to uh, Elnor. And, uh, Elnor, I need your help. Come with me on this mission that's desperate of mine.
0: No, no, no. No, not a mission, Eric. A quest. A
1: quest, a quest, yes. And, uh, Elnor says, uh, you abandoned me when I needed you. I see no reason why I shouldn't do the same right now. And he huffs and puffs and storms his way out. Which, which totally acceptable reaction right I thought so
0: I did too you know like this is a young boy who is totally gaga about Picard I mean he's uh, he's a mentor he's a father figure to Elnor and saying he's going to be right back making this promise you know and he doesn't show up until the kids in his like what twenties, basically. Yeah,
1: my guess is he's got to be around twenty. You know, he's, he's probably five or six at the time of the opening flashback. So twenty-ish.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And so I thought that was that was right on point. Oh yeah. With with the reaction.
1: Right on point. The same way I felt like Rafi's reaction last episode was right on point. Okay. Right.
0: So, but then like he eventually starts to come around, kind of
1: Yeah, Why? why does he change his mind again?
0: I think part... I don't know if it was explicitly stated, but it seemed like what I was picking up was like there was like some guilt about it And then he goes into town where Picard is getting ready to leave
1: Right, And that's
0: kind of like what changed it, but I don't know if there was like an official motivation that was outright stated, was there?
1: No, there wasn't. He just changes his mind. He goes, well, it seemed like you needed me after all. Well, he needed you before, and he needs you now. Why did you change your mind?
0: Yeah, what's up with that?
1: Because. I changed my mind because. I mean, it's legit. Because I'm an emotionally immature person who has no filter, and who was raised to have no filter.
0: Yeah.
1: (sighs) Okay, so what happens, what happens next? We get this, we get this confrontation in this Romulan outdoor cafe between Picard and a former Romulan senator.
0: Yeah, Picard goes back to Disney's Animal Kingdom. He tries to go get a Dole Whip or something. And uh and yeah, he, he gets denied. He doesn't get his Mickey ears or anything, he gets denied and he gets a stern talking to by a former senator from the Romulan Star Empire.
1: And and I actually really liked
0: this this
1: um, dialogue from the, the former Romulan Senator. I thought it was a, a great insight into the other side of the coin, right? The other way of thinking. So far, all we've seen is what was the the thought process of the evacuation from the Federation side, and I thought it was really interesting to see to see the other side, because there are always two sides to every argument and every position.
0: Yeah. So what yeah, do you, th- you? took advantage of us. You took advantage of us at our moment of weakness, and you never took into consideration what was it like the romulan creativity and ingenuity to be able to to come up with overcome. a solution of
1: their own yeah yeah and basically you scattered us you took us to different places and you dropped us off and by by not giving us the resources to be able to come back together you weakened us and we'll never be able to be the proud civilization that we were before
0: yeah i the more the more i watched it the more I enjoyed that exchange, like you were saying, between Picard and the the Romulan Senator that was there at the the diner or whatever. That was a an excellent scene and and like how it how it developed and and I don't know that the actor's name that was playing this the former senator, but he did a darn good job with with not only his acting but also his his dialogue that he was delivering to Picard, yeah, to I, Patrick Stewart.
1: Yeah, I, I think that that this little scene, however short it is, is definitely the high point of this episode.
0: Agreed. I would agree with that. Uh-huh.
1: But then, right after that, after we have this great scene about how how we see the other side of the arguments, it devolves into a sword fight. Like what? Yeah. What? Like explain this to me because i have no clue what the hell what is happening here i have no clue what's happening why why does this have to devolve into a sword fight
0: i don't know but they all had um it looked like uh, like rapiers like the kind of swords they have and i was like uh
1: since when i've okay. never which, seen which, a h- romulan with a knife let alone a romulan with a sword ever before
0: well, I guess that's what New Romulus is all about, is using the pointy end, basically.
1: <laughs> the pointy end?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which side and do you can, stick them with? You can stick them with, pointy pointy
1: with the pointy end? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit more complicated than that, but that's the basics of it, right.
0: <laughs> we'll get back to Game of Thrones here oh, in a little while.
1: Oh my god, yes we will, yes we will. <laughs> so like so like they take him out into the into the the town square and they say we're going to have a sword fight. And Picard does like one little fencing paray and then drops the sword and says I'm not going to fight you. And then in comes Elrond to the rescue.
0: <laughs> right? <laughs>
1: And he's like, he's like, choose, yes. choose to live, choose to live. And choose to he, live, my friend. And then he proceeds to do some jump, flip, spin through the air, and he slices down three Romulans in like two seconds.
0: Yeah, yeah, he he channels his inner Agent Smith. And does some Matrix fight-style type stuff. And what, he stabs someone, which in turn also slices off the senator's head. Which was most impressive, that he could just do a little stabby-stab and behead someone.
1: Stabby-stab, stabby-stab. It was almost it was almost Jedi-esque here.
0: It wasn't even stabby-stab, stabby-stab. It was stabby-stab, slicey-slice.
1: Yeah, it was. It was like, very quick. Right? And the guy's head falls right off.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: And then you would think in that moment, that's the moment when Picard would be the most upset. But instead, he stops and gives some big speech. Right? We know Picard loves to give his speeches. Right? He's he's a great speech maker.
0: Darn right he is. And
1: so he gives this speech in front of this crowd uh, with these... With his dead Romulans now,
0: he was uh he was president of uh, Toastmasters in 2358. Did a great job.
1: Okay, and then like.
0: <laughs> okay, nothing. And then, all right. I, just, I
1: don't. I didn't. I don't understand what that meant. So.
0: <laughs> Toastmasters is a club for um, speech giving and practicing speech giving. Anyways, moving on. Okay,
1: all right. So so he gives this big speech about how the Federation has failed all of them and how he's deeply sorry. And then and then that's when the guy pulls out his phase his disruptor and says, Your sword is no match for my disruptor and they beam him out just in the nick of time.
0: Right, and but, just but to my, add to that just, just to add to that timing that we didn't mention, is that following like getting shot down from from uh, Elrond, from Elnor, he does get a hold of the Lost Serena saying, I'm ready to get out of here and they say there's a seven minute window. So it was at the very last second of that seven minute window before he's gonna get shotty shot, instead of slicey sliced or stabby stabbed, that he gets beamed back up to the lost arena.
1: Yeah, but 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 here's my thing. So you're one of the guy that senators henchmen, right? right? I don't know how else to describe it. Like like two of your friends were just killed and your boss just had his head chopped off. And then Picard gives a big speech. And then after he you wait till after he gives his speech to pull out your disruptor and shoot him? Why not as soon as your boss gets his head cut off, why not pull out your disruptor right then? Why do you wait and allow Picard to give this big speech?
0: I have a very long and complicated answer which I'll summarize into this. Because you the plot
1: because the plot demanded it.
0: And the show's called Star Trek Picard, not Star Trek Elrond.
1: Okay, all right. (laughs) So so this guy's about to shoot them, and he's like, beam us up now. He doesn't even say beam us up. He just says, get me out of here. But somehow the ship knows to beam two people up. How did they know to beam two people up?
0: Yeah, you're right. I I did notice that about the whole... uh Beam me up, or get get me out of here. Get me out. He and, says,
1: "Get me out of here," and they beam both of them up. Well, how did yeah. they even know that there was a second person there? Right. Right. And then it's it's when they get back up to the ship that Picard goes off on Eleanor for he said that man did not deserve to die, and if you're going to be with me, you have to do what I say and and not hurt anybody.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're gonna. you'll you'll. You'll attack when I say attack, and refrain when I say refrain. But no more of this Shishko-Romulan nonsense that you just did down downstairs. Right. So, yeah. I don't know how I feel about, about Elnor yet. I mean, we've only seen him for, what, ten minutes? T- tops, maybe?
1: Fifteen, maybe.
0: Yeah. So, I don't know how I feel about him yet. Uh, I think Rios is still... Probably the favorite for me up to this point, Uh, but there's also there might be a little tie going on between Rios and and Rafi. So,
1: and then and then what? What happens now? We're uh, this um, we're we're back up on our ship. We're getting ready to leave, and then all of a sudden, this 130 year old Romulan bird of prey that this pirate uses to control his territory shows up and they get into a f- and they get into a dogfight that's one of the worst star trek dogfights space battles I've ever seen ever
0: okay here's the thing that I I I didn't understand uh, there was you know this this dogfight the space fight is is happening and I hear I hear them say like get us out of here let's get out of here and for a moment it looks like the Lost Serena is gonna go to warp or, or like maybe go to like impulse or something I don't know like they're gonna they're about to get the heck out of Dodge and just when you think they're about to they do a little swoopy swoop and go back in and they start doing this tango and I'm like wait you're trying to get away from this situation. Why didn't you warp? Well, did you get that sense, too?
1: Well, yeah, I thought they were going to go to warp and it's like my my interpretation is that have we you can't fire phasers and photon torpedoes or quantum torpedoes whatever they have now at warp, can you? No. No, so once you go to warp, maybe he can outrun you and track you down, but he can't shoot you. And I've got to believe that your ship Which Looks new and Picard even made This remark in the last episode You have kept your ship in pristine Order right Has got to be able to outrun And I'm gonna say this A bunch A hundred and thirty year old ship (laughs) Okay Like The only reason to put this bird of prey In here is for fan service And like I've said I love the fan service, but this is one time that fan service doesn't make sense here. Because think back 130 years from now, right? That's what, 1890? Sure. Think about the military technology from 1890 compared to military technology today.
0: Yeah, we didn't even have the car yet. Yeah, right. I mean, even... there's
1: there's no way this bird of prey would be able to to allow this pirate to control any type of territory and be formidable at all. This I would feel like this thing is worth more as an antique. You scrap it for its parts. Mm-hmm.
0: You go put it the the you know like at the capital city on New Romulus or or whatever you know and put it on display like this is us from a bygone era or whatever.
1: Yeah, and it's like, but, yeah, it's like, like hey, it d- let's outrun him. Let's just go to warp and outrun him.
0: Which you could probably could have easily done. I mean, like, what was it? Uh, original series era, like with Kirk and company. Real Kirk and company. We're, we're looking at, what was Maximum Warp like? Warp 7, I think? Warp 8, maybe?
1: Yeah, some, something like that, yeah.
0: So, even if Romulans had the same warp capabilities from that era as you know Kirk's you know Kirk's enterprise which was already 30 years old to begin with when he got it uh and this is you know 130ish years later yeah hands down the lost serena i mean or-
1: it, it, it's a small ship so maybe you can only do warp 8 Warp 9. Maybe it can't go past Warp 9, right? Sure. Right? Even so, you're going to be able to outrun Warp 7 very
0: f- quickly. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I'm wondering how well a shuttlecraft of this era, this late 24th, early 25th century era, could have been able to outrun, maybe even outgun a ship from 130 years prior. So. I don't know. It was. I mean, it was nice seeing, but it didn't make too much sense. Didn't make any sense like your, to like me sense... at
1: all. Didn't make any sense to me.
0: The, the only okay. Here's the only reason it, I say didn't make too much sense versus saying no sense is because we know that the Romulan Empire is in shambles and that they're doing everything they can to rebuild. So just like folks might go find someone that has like an old 1950s car for a movie. You know, to use. Um, Maybe they they have like their own like impound or or whatever on like some other Romulan planet that they're using to try and fix so they can have some kind of presence out there in space. So that's the only thing. Like that's my own my own thought process on why that could make sense for using a 130 year old ship instead of just starting from ground zero, which they could have done that but like like the senator said like they're all sorts of spread out and they're weakened when they're spread spread out so anyway
1: yeah and then i'm gonna say like this space battle here i'm so disappointed because jonathan frakes directed this like come on you're better than that like he directed first contact he directed insurrection All of which have space battles and fights in them, and this space battle is terrible. And maybe it's the budget or whatever. But like, when they're in the, when we see them on the bridge, like they're back to the old '60s original series style, where the actors have to jerk themselves around in their chairs, and like the set doesn't move itself, and it just looks so bad.
0: So I'm gonna give uh, I'm gonna give number one a pass on. Like the spaceship fighting, but not so much on the bridge acting because, like the three times that I watched it, I was like, "Man, they're just like so synchronized with, with reacting to this." And that's not a bad thing, but it's not a good thing because they were all doing like, like it just looks so smooth. Yeah,
1: it's like it's like you feel like this show should have the budget where the it should be built on like a spring system where it can move back and forth, and you don't have to have the actors jumping back and forth.
0: Well, even even that... Uh, um, like, the other show that CBS All Access has produced has, uh, gosh, I think it's like somewhere in the ballpark of like $10 million per episode, at least. And this one has a severely limited one because which, which doesn't make sense to me no it doesn't because this is i mean I would consider this show to be more of the flagship Th- this should than, be the flag this should
1: be the flagship yeah so so like I just don't understand that at all
0: I don't know but yeah the it was just it was too smooth and I feel like I don't want to take sides, but I'm going to. I feel like Rios, ha- Rios and Picard had the best acting on the bridge during that. Okay. So that's that's all I'll, well, all I'll say.
1: Well, well, I gotta say, um, I really loved the the new hologram, the emergency pilot hologram, Emmett.
0: Emmett, who's you like, like Emmett?
1: he's he's like a drunk guy that only speaks Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I, I think it's really funny, and I really like this, how all of the holograms on this ship look exactly like Rios, and they all have different personalities. I just think this is hilarious. And this guy, he's like, Emmett, we could use some help! And this drunk, long-haired Spanish guy just sits up there and just starts mumbling stuff, and like, blah, 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 blah.
0: <laughs> So, two things. So if you watch The Ready Room uh, for this particular episode, Will Wheaton is interviewing uh, Santiago Cabrera, and he asked specifically about, like, did you have people in mind? What was your process for these different uh, holograms that you were doing? And he's like, I 100% have people in mind whenever I am creating these different hologram portrayals. And he's like, I remember, like, where I'm placing, like, my like my breath and, you know, where the voice is, like in my, in my, um, my throat and everything. So that, that was, that was really fun, um, to talk about and, and to, to see. And, um, I feel like there was something else I was going to say and I lost it, but I'll come back to it hopefully. Oh, the, um, I paused because I noticed that, uh, that Emmett had some tattoos and I was like, Huh? And I think it was his right forearm that was showing, maybe it was left, I don't know. It was on one of his forearms that you saw, it was like a circle and it looked like a a dagger or something on it. And I was like, hold on, is that a Terran Empire logo on the tattoo? (laughs) Please. Or on on his arm? Please please
1: don't let that be true. Please tell me. I
0: looked... I looked, and I didn't see it at all, so... Yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was not Terran Empire, and I, I, I had to look at it for like a good minute to minute and a half, and I didn't... Yeah. So we're, we're in the clear, Eric. We're good. <laughs> okay, good. We're good. Good. Alright,
1: we didn't go there, because like, nope. if we're going there, I'm, I'm out. Like, I'm taking my shuttlecraft, and I'm going home.
0: You're out like a fat kid in dodgeball? No, no.
1: I'm serious. If if that's where this is going, then I'm 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 done.
0: Okay. <sighs>
1: Alright, so we're fighting this hundred and thirty-year-old Romulan bird of prey, and a mysterious third ship shows up.
0: <gasps> yeah. Mysterious <gasps> third ship right? shows
1: up and starts shooting at the bird of prey, and eventually their combined firepower. ...is able to blow off its wing. Pew, 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 pew! Right? And then this other ship sends out a distress call. Like, hey, my ship is falling apart and I need you to beam aboard. And Emmett's like, too risky, too risky, too risky.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh. And, And then Picard is, like, going back to his old captain and admiral days and, like, you know, open a channel. Oh, oh, sorry, and sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to step on your toes, this is your ship. <laughs> and he's like, open that channel."
1: Yeah, it's like, beam him on board, and she's like... Right here. Right here, and Elnor, get out your sword in case this is this is a trick.
0: And In case you need to do some stabby stab or slicey slice.
1: Yeah, and uh, someone transports over, and who is it?
0: It's Annika Hansen, I mean, Seven of Nine.
1: Seven of nine?
0: Dun dun dun. Didn't see that one coming.
1: I did not see that one coming either. I really didn't. I did not think that that's who was going to be on this ship.
0: Well, here's the thing. It kind of ruined it for me because I knew to expect her. Well, because yeah. Because of the opening credits. Right,
1: because it said special guest star Jerry Ryan in the opening credits. And I really yeah. think that it would have been better had they not done that.
0: Yeah. Like uh gosh, what was it? Um hold on. Uh this is not what I meant by we're going to talk about Game of Thrones later, but you know, when we get to help me Eric, um somewhere around like season 4 or 5, we we have a cold we have our first like cold opening of Game of Thrones basically. And it was um oh my gosh, I'm totally blanking.
1: Are you talking about... Is this uh, the episode where uh, we thought the Hound was dead and he shows up? Yes. That's, okay. Yeah. In the cold open. Yeah. Right? And and the reason they had to do it that way is because if they put the actor's name in the credits, everyone would be looking for it. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: So that's why they did the... That was, like, I'm pretty sure the only cold opening of Game of Thrones that they've done. So if they would have done something... Like, even if they didn't have a cold opening, even if they would have... Done something like at the very end Yeah, like, like
1: special guest star Jerry Ryan, like at the very end. Very end. Right, instead of in the yeah. opening credits, sure. So so what do you think about this being the way to introduce Seven of Nine into our story? Do you think it's a good way to introduce her? Do you think it's a bad way? What do you think? What are your opinions?
0: Well, from interviews and I don't know how much you've paid attention to, to some of the interviews leading up to Picard but she's gone on to talk about how sh- her character part of this Fenris Rangers that was like meant to be patrolling like this area or, or something to that effect so when they said Fenris Rangers I'm like oh they're probably going to be bringing up 709 here pretty quick and either this episode or the next and I I don't know how i felt about her being this ace pilot i'm assuming she is this ace pilot unless it was someone else that was flying the ship and she was just the only one that could get out um, that's kind of like ambiguous for me right now that doesn't but, seem
1: right to me i think if there were two people they could have beamed them both out
0: potentially sure but like her being an ace pilot i'm like i don't i don't know about that but again it's been 20 years I liked seeing her I was very happy to see her flat out I didn't like the comedic end to it though like with her saying you owe me a shit Picard and then just like and she passing passed, out, then she passes out I thought that was too comedic and I don't know if that was the right tone for 7
1: sure but I mean we it's been you know 20 years 20 plus years since the last time we've seen her character. So it's, it's her personality has probably changed in those 20 years.
0: Right. And in interviews, you know, at STLV and, and otherwise it's been about, you need to like, what would you do if, you know, how would seven react if she had to hide being a Borg and like trying to figure out the characterization and stuff. So, it makes sense.
1: Okay, so so my thought is this, um, you know, we've known for a long time who the 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 former characters that are coming back, right? We knew that Brent Spiner was coming back as Data. We knew that Jonathan Frakes and Marina Sirtis were coming back as Will and Indiana Riker, right? We knew that Hugh Jonathan Del Arco was coming back, and a trailer came out in like November, December. Maybe it was even before then that mm-hmm. we saw Seven of Nine. But it was one of, like, the last trailers. Like, she was, like, the last character that we knew was coming back. Yeah. Right? And so so we've known Jerry Ryan is coming back. And for me, I want to know nothing ahead of time. I want no spoilers. I try not to go out there and listen to interviews about that these actors give ahead of time about – where their character is at, what their character is doing, because I don't want to know anything. I just want to watch the show and enjoy the show for what it is. So I was not aware of this interview she gave about the Fenris Rangers. So when they mentioned them, I was like, I don't think we've ever heard about the Fenris Rangers at any point in the past, so this must be something new. And for me, I think Brent Spiner's data was used perfectly in the first episode. I'm just... Perfectly, I thought that I, I you couldn't have done that any better using data in the first episode.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I thought how Hugh came in, in the last episode made a lot of sense. Like that wasn't necessarily how I thought he would be introduced, but I think that makes a lot of sense. And I'm like, okay, good job for doing that. And I hope that whenever we get to Will Indiana, Right, It makes sense. We know that he's going to meet them at their house somewhere. We don't know how he's going to end up back there. I, I don't even know if that house is on Earth or if it's on some other planet. But if it's, back, if it's on Earth, then he has to go back to Earth somehow. And hopefully it makes sense when he meets them, whenever that will be. And I said, I don't want to know what episode that's going to be, how long it's going to take. I don't want to know that. So I did not know... How they were going to introduce Jerry Ryan, Seven of Nine, into this story. But to me, this feels forced. This feels very forced. Like, it doesn't feel natural the way it felt to bring Data and to bring Hugh in. Like, I don't believe that Seven of Nine would come racing to Picard's defense. Because we've seen the trailers where it looks like the two of them don't get along. So to me it just feels like forcing her into this story here.
0: Right, and we haven't even seen them interact on screen up to this point either. I mean like And 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 that's why I said at the beginning of this podcast, I said, I think next week's
1: episode, I would expect it to open with some kind of flashback where there's we get some information about Picard and Seven of Nine's history. Like I fully expect next week to start that way. If it doesn't, then it doesn't, but that's what I'm expecting.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've already said it again. I'm just... I'm growing weary of, of the flashbacks. I know that they serve a purpose, but I just wish we could have a break from them, and I'll just say that. But
1: That's fair. That's fair, but I think we're going to get at least one more.
0: Yeah. At least
1: one more. That seems to be what this what this show is doing the format that it's following.
0: Yeah. And even even to a certain extent even though it was a dream sequence, it was more or less a flashback in even the pilot episode with remembrance where they're on the Enterprise D even though Data's wearing his, you know, movie era uniform. So that I mean it's been consistent with having flashbacks in every episode up to this point. No,
1: he he was wearing the yeah. black top with the the yellow chest. Wasn't the other way around, was it?
0: On the on the Enterprise D when they're playing poker in the opening shot, they're wearing the first contact area. He's wearing the first contact uniform. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But when in the the dream sequence where he's painting, he's wearing, he, where he's painting, he's wearing the normal the normal Yeah, the next gen uniform. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. That's
0: correct. So um, we'll see uh, you know what's gonna happen next. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you watch like the previews for the next episode or not. I I saw it and uh,
1: I, I like I, I don't put much stock into to previews because they're not trying to tell you what the episode is. they're trying they're, a lot of times previews are trying to be deceptive.
0: Sure. Alright, so the time has come. We're finally let's here, ta- right? And let's talk about...
1: Let's talk about, uh, yeah, the Borg cube. We've put yeah. it off as long as possible.
0: So, for some people watching, I'd be willing to bet that there are some people where their favorite moments are between Soji and Neric, And that's what they look forward to the most, potentially. That there has to be some kind of... Population out there that really likes it. For me, I am not part of that population.
1: If you are a part of that population, I would love to hear your explanation as to why this is your favorite part. Because every single scene with these two is, like, cringeworthy to me. I could not wait for these scenes to just be over.
0: So, uh, at this point, Computer... Play theme music from Austin Powers. All right, that's better. So now that we're talking about the board cube, I wanted to make sure that we had the right ambiance in talking about this. We, Eric, you and I were were messaging each other back and forth uh, the other day, and I was like using so many gifts to explain.
1: Yeah. and I totally see it now. I totally see what you what you meant because I I'm not a big fan of Austin Powers, so I couldn't like picture it. But then you sent me these gifts, and I'm like, totally, totally, I get it. I totally get it.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, oh man, like, oh, this these scenes are terrible as far as I'm concerned. And. And you put on the music to set this- this ambiance. And there's music playing all throughout these scenes here with Soji so generic. That- I know mm-hmm. you're the music guy, and music is supposed to add to the experience and- And- yeah. And enhance it and somehow bring you into the emotions of these people. But the music here just is awful. Like, the music itself is not awful. But it just does not fit with what's happening in these scenes.
0: So, let me let me speak to that for just a second. I don't know, have you listened to the Star Trek Picard Season 1 Chapter 1 soundtrack by chance?
1: I have not, you told me not to.
0: Okay, that's probably good. By the way, I extrapolated some stuff, and I'm willing to bet that, cha- that uh, Season 1 Chapter 1 is going to take us up through um, Episode 5, just based on the titles that I've seen and kind of what we might be expecting. So... Um, I think after next week, it'll be safe for you to listen to. Okay. So, let me just put it out there. So, I listened to pretty much all the tracks on on this, this first soundtrack for Picard. And I got to the music that was used in the Borg ritual dance that uh, Soji and Narek do. And listening to it, I was like, ooh, this is going to be sinister and evil and stuff. And I was like, kind of, kind of interested and kind of captivated. Like, okay, having not seen this yet. Okay. Cause this came out like a week or so ago and listening to it, I'm like, okay, there's going to be a shift. Something's going to happen just based on the tone of this music. Cause it sounded like very like haunted mansion, like esque and stuff like with the the synth the synth the synthesizers, like some like a little synthesized organ stuff going on and just like how it was arranged. And then I watch it
1: And you're like he does some like Jar Jar Binks laugh thing as he's like sliding down the hallway.
0: Yeah, a little risky business action going on. I'm like, wait, what wait, what?
1: What? Like that scene to me like, everything about it was just sauteed in wrong sauce. <laughs> like, everything about that scene was just wrong. <laughs> and, like, just douse on the wrong sauce. Like, ah, uh, this, like, Jonathan Frakes directed this? Like, what? What? I can't even comprehend that this came from Jonathan Frakes. This is so terrible. Everything about this scene, from what they're actually doing, to then the dialogue, where he's like, you know, you weren't on that transport. Are you calling me a liar? It's like, everything about this scene is just wrong. Yeah. It's just, it's like, like, it's, like, I, like... This Borg artifact stuff should be interesting, it should be interesting, like, I should want to know what's going on here, like, why would people choose to live on a Borg cube, right? What information and technology are you gaining from studying it, right? What is Soji doing here, what's her mission? But I just don't care, because these characters are so flat and so boring that I just do not care. And I just you know cannot what, wait to get away from these scenes.
0: You know what I thought was gonna happen when they were doing their Borg ritual dance and they go like they lean up against a wall and start making out? I legit thought there was gonna be this Borg drone that's playing hide and seek, and he's like, Boo, and then assimilates Austin Powers. I mean Narek. I seriously <laughs> thought that was going to happen. Really? That would have been awesome.
1: Cause that would fit with like the ominous music and the haunted house vibes? Yes. Yes. Okay. Huh, that's interesting. I, I did was, not think that was going to happen. I The only thing I was thinking during this scene is, please stop. Please stop.
0: So, yeah.
1: So, anyway, Soji basically tells Narek off, right?
0: That's basically what it comes down to. Like, and, by the way, do we... It was kind of left up in the air. I don't know if you were able to discern an answer, but Ramda that we met in the last episode, she kind of passed out or something. But then we see her on like some kind of examining table. Did she die or or is she just or she, you know, like, having like a co- spell in like
1: a coma or they yeah. they they sedated her? I don't know
0: like The way that, the she way that she's looking, acting,
1: it almost looks like she's dead. Right. Right. But I don't know.
0: I don't know. Well, um, are we forgetting anything else about the Borg cube apart from them having oh, so some no, Romulan ale or something?
1: Nope. But then the, the last scene that we need to talk about is where Cersei Lannister shows up to the Borg artifact.
0: Yep, good old Cersei and Cersei and Jamie- Cersei and Jamie
1: Lannister. Lannister, right? That's exactly what's going on here, isn't it? Like you said last week when they were talking in the hallway, like is she trying to seduce him? And I was like, God, I hope not. But like, that's totally what she's doing, isn't it? Basically, that's literally totally. Yeah. She like she's like rubbing his face and his neck, and then she tries to like get on top of him while he's in bed. Totally, like, and, Cersei and Lannister. Wearing,
0: and she's wearing some, like, leather and some sheer stuff, too. Yeah, yeah. And I was I was telling you, um, you know, pre-show and, like, in, in our messaging, getting ready for the show, that, like, the person that's playing Rizzo, the, the female, like, the, the, the Cersei, that she's very attractive in stuff. She's very, very attractive, but I feel so dirty and weird watching her, like, in her yeah. scenes, because of like the incestuous or potentially incestuous stuff that's going on.
1: Right. Yeah. It's 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 creepy. It's creepy. It's creepy. Yeah. And, and I don't want to watch it. That, I don't want to watch it.
0: And one of the uh, one of the uh, the scenes or one of the gifs that I sent you, or gifs if you're a purist. How about that? Um, it's a, It'll always be GIF to me.
1: Yeah. So God could come down and tell me it's pronounced JIF, and I wouldn't pronounce it that way.
0: No, it, it's GIF. <laughs> it's GIF on this podcast. It's GIF. So, and one one of them that I sent you was Austin Powers um, handing <laughs> handing yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah handing like the coconuts up as though she stands up behind <laughs> yeah. to Elizabeth Hurley.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, like, wow. Like, this has to be deliberate on the part of the writers and the producers, right? To make this, like, incestuous Cersei and Jaime Lannister thing, right? They can't be like, what do you mean? We don't see a resemblance. This has to be on purpose, right? Absolutely it does.
0: Absolutely.
1: And, but, like, I'm just, I'm just confused as to why you would do that. Why you feel like you need to do that.
0: You don't but it is what it is, right?
1: It's, it's creepy. <laughs> All
0: right. Well, we're, we've, we've muddled through this again at as best we can. And it's the time of the show for, for engage where we kind of have like final closing thoughts and kind of how we rate this episode. And, uh, I'm very curious to hear what your, your final rating and, any concluding thoughts are about what we saw for this most recent episode of Star Trek Picard?
1: Okay, so this is my least favorite episode. This is the only episode that I thought got worse the second time I watched it. Every episode before this I thought got better when I watched it the second time. This one got worse. Um, to me, this episode feels like you're playing a video game. Right, And the video game is like an open world game, and, but there's like a main story that you're supposed to follow, but you can go on side missions. And this just felt like you're playing a video game and this is one of the side missions that you could potentially go on. But, you know, if you skip it, so what? You know, you still got the main mission. That's kind of like the feeling that I got from watching this episode. Sure. Like, it's like, we could have just skipped this. I mean, is it really all that necessary? It still feels like we're in this phase of, of, hey, let's recruit somebody for this mission who blames Picard for all of their problems in the past. And this episode almost felt like a carbon copy of the last one, right? We start out with a flashback. Last week it was Picard and Rafi. This week it's Picard and and Elnor. And we're seeing, like, where the rift between these two characters came. And then, hey, now we're jump forward to the future. I want to recruit you to come on my mission. But then the person originally says, no, I don't want to go on your mission. But then changes their mind for reasons that are never fully explained to us. Right. So this, this episode just feels like an exact rehash of the last one. And I really liked the last episode, right? I really, really liked all of the scenes between Picard and Raffi in episode three. I really disliked all of the episodes between Picard and, and Elnor in this episode. Gotcha. And I would give this episode like a six and a half. Like wow. I okay. do, I do not like this episode. Okay. I just totally so, think it's like could have been skipped, and I just feel like we're four episodes in out of ten, and we really still haven't even gotten anywhere. Yeah. We're still just putting together a crew.
0: Yeah, for me this was. Uh certainly my least favorite of the first four episodes and uh, it just I think you I think you hit the nail on the head with this being like a side quest you know like side side mission type of thing um, just completely extraneous uh, filler basically this was just more or less a filler episode maybe it was um, that's what
1: it felt like
0: and it, and like you. I watched I wa- so I watched the first I watched it the first time and I didn't like it I watched it the second time I still didn't like it and I watched it the third time and I still still didn't like it and uh, like you were saying it feels like it's getting worse the more you watch it so yeah uh, this was not uh, in my experience, was not a good episode. Now, I'm sure there are people out there that really enjoyed this episode. And again, I want this to be abundantly clear that I am enjoying Star Trek Picard. Oh, me too. Very much so.
1: I am very much enjoying it too.
0: And we might be focusing on some negatives about it, but by and large, we've been giving good ratings with each episode. Like, I think... The lowest for me was, like, what, a 7-something? Like a 7.5 yeah. or something like that? Yeah. So this one is going to be even lower than yours, Eric. Oh, wow. This is a 5.5 5 for me.
1: Oh, wow.
0: Yeah, this was not a good episode. I did not like it. I'm normally pretty gracious, and this was not good wow, for me.
1: Wow, 5.5. Like, yeah. I thought I was trying to be... Um, uh I was trying not to be so harsh, right? Thinking that if I gave it a six and a half, you would just be like shocked at how low that was. I had no idea that you would be going even lower. Shazam. Wow.
0: Just like that. So, anyway, we are. This has been a very, very long. Yeah, long long episode. This is a very long reaction episode. Sorry, guys. Um, But you know what? I haven't heard from anyone up to this point yet, uh, through any of the socials or email. I really do want to hear how you guys are reacting uh, to uh, to these episodes. Actually, I do. I do take that back. I recently um, had an, an informal thing on our uh, our Facebook group where I was kind of asking, like, if people were were keeping up with with Star Trek: Picard and and kind of you know what they thought of it. And there have been like some like some reactions, some some comments um, up to this point. Uh, we've let's see um, uh, so Nick Kleinhaus said I really like it. Modern TV has me spoiled and I like season long story arcs which were not yet a thing in the TNG area. The serialized treatment is right up my street. So that's good. And um so, let's see, Amanda, Ryan was saying, I'm going to try and get up early and catch up tomorrow morning. So far, I've only been able to see the first episode, and I'm pretty annoyed about that. And then later came up and said, caught up through episode three. Uh, my thoughts so far, now we know where the sex rating came into play. Uh, really not digging the colorful language. It does not need to feel like Battlestar Galactica. And I really I really need to rewatch these with the captions on so I know better what's happening and who's talking. So... Um, Having only seen a little bit of uh, more recent Battlestar, I do get that sense that we got some Battlestar stuff going on uh, and with a little bit of Blade Runner mixed in for good measure.
1: I honestly I love Battlestar Galactica. I don't see Battlestar Galactica in this. I, I see some Blade Runner in this, but I don't see Battlestar Galactica in this.
0: I think it's mainly the ships, like some of the ship design, just like with some of the scenes that we've seen. But anyway. Okay. But we'll, we'll leave that be. This is... Uh, I want to thank thank everyone for sticking with us. This has been, this has been uh, yeah, longer.
1: You, you could have watched this, this episode several times. in three. Maybe
0: I'll just split this in half. Maybe this I'll just do like a two-parter. I
1: mean, this is a long... I mean, I'm, I'm shocked. This, it's interesting that this is the episode we like the least... But we spent the most time talking about it.
0: Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much.
1: Whereas I think each of us pretty much liked the first episode the most. And then I think that if you go back, that's probably the shortest recap episode.
0: Well, there we go. I guess we need to keep it on lockdown. I think we say that every week. Like, we need to like keep yeah. it on lockdown, yeah. and then we don't.
1: We, we go off on these tangents, and we get into the weeds.
0: I talk about French and com badges, for crying out loud. Right. All right. Well, again, Eric, thank you. For doing this, we'll have to do it again next week.
1: Yes, we will have to keep doing it, right? We're almost halfway through.
0: Almost. We're 40% of the way there. More math. More math. More math. All right, guys. Well, um, thank you once again for uh, engaging with us as we talk about Star Trek Picard Season 1, Episode 4. We will be back once again next week to talk about uh, Episode 5. So make sure you uh, stay with us. And um, if you're listening to this after a while, let us know what the future's like by sending us uh, a message through opening up hailing frequencies. You can do that by entering in coordinates trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also send us a, a voice only transmission to 817 752 4757. Remember, there's a three minute time limit, and your comments may be used on a future episode. Finally, if you want to mail something to us, you can do that. By sending it to the Lone Star Station, P.O. Box 2455, Azle, Texas, A-Z-L-E, 76098. Remember, you can also connect with us on all the socials at TRTVPod. Uh, We're so thankful that you've been listening, and I hope you guys are enjoying Picard as much as we are, which we really are, really and truly are. We are. And we really are. So um, make sure you connect with us and uh, continue to do what you do as you engage with Picard. So with that, as always you bold go and make it so.